That's fun. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Rebel Health Academy podcast. Willow. Yeah, and Tree are here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're here with Sheridan Decker today. Sheridan Functional Nutrition, welcome to the call. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. No worries. And uh, before we get started, I just want to um, acknowledge um, the land that we're on here in um, uh, the Sunshine Coast, Gubby Gubby land, and um, all the ancestors um, past and present. Um, we just acknowledge them. Um, and yeah, just be respectful for the land and love the land. Absolutely. Yeah. And what, do you know what um, land you're on in um, WA? No, can't say I do. Not off the You'll top of my head. You'll have to find head. out, won't you? Yeah. I will have to find out. I was actually thinking that um, there's a podcast I listen to and they do it every time. And then I'm like, I should know this by now. This should be on the top of my head. And admittedly, I don't. So oh, well, yeah. on the wrist, that's you'll have it for the next one. Yeah, yeah. I will. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Sheridan's business is amazing um, from what we've just briefly heard. And we'll probably let you describe it a little bit more. Um, but the way... You're empowering women and looking at their poops um, to, that's their poo, the poo doctor, shall we say? <laughs> Call me that if you want. I've had a collection of names. There was this, uh, someone the other day um, was saying to me, oh, Sheridan, so do you actually collect your clients' poo samples and look in them and culture them and grow them? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. There's, there's labs for that. I don't That's need to it. do that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I think no, you've done something all. wrong when people start putting poo in your letterbox, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I oh, know. No, no, no. Oh. no, I do yeah, that. Yeah, do they, do they what? Put the poo in the letterbox. Don't they do that? Well, no, it's a joke. Not in my... I was like, <laughs> no, I thought we just established it's not in my letterbox. My housemate would freak, I think, if she came home to a bloody thing of poo samples out the front, it'd be a problem. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? So uh, you've had an interesting journey, Sheridan, and uh, I'll let you get into it a little bit. Um, do you want to give people a bit of a scope of, you know, what they can expect from listening in today? Yeah, so basically I'll run you through my health journey and how that really um, has impacted the way I do business and started my business and why I kind of have such a passion for women, also men's health, but primarily, and I'll explain why I primarily work with um, menstruating women these days because um, that's sort of where my heart lies. But basically when I was about 18, so I'd done a few barley trips um, growing up in WA, so I grew up down south in Elbney, so a small coastal town which was excellent super healthy upbringing spent a lot of time at the beach and surfing and you know mum treated us well <laughs> um and yeah a few trips to Bali which was great but then when I was 18 I went over and actually got quite sick so classic you know quote-unquote Bali belly which you think everyone gets and that's fine and you're just going to get over it but when I got home I actually ended up with glandular fever so I ended up quite sick uh, I just started sports science at Notre Dame and I took a couple of weeks off uni, was super fatigued and tired. And then after I kind of got over that six to eight week period, I was still having all these gut symptoms. And I was like, this is weird. I don't know what's going on. I was never celiac as a kid. We ate healthy, but we ate everything and, you know, moderation kind of thing. Um, have a lot of bloating, a lot of constipation, a lot of stomach pain, um, wasn't getting my period. So all this stuff started happening over this two, three, four, five, six months 
month process, it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm like, well, I had this barley belly, I had the glandular fever, but why am I still so unwell? Anyway, this continued over the next six to seven years. And I started seeing GPs and specialists and gynecologists. And they're kind of like, well, oh, we don't know what's going on. You're young, you're healthy, you know, you're studying sports science. I was playing a lot of soccer. I was doing a lot of CrossFit. I was eating really well. Like I was doing all the right things mm-hmm. and not getting any answers. Like nothing seemed to really match up. So starting, yeah, a few doctors who started looking at immune issues. Um, they did some brain MRIs to see if there was something wrong with my pituitary and they looked at um, my bone marrow to see if I had leukemia and they just sort of started to dig, you know, deeper and deeper with a traditional medical approach going what possibly can be wrong with this 20-year-old when she's supposed to be active and healthy and stuff? But, you know, like I was going to the toilet maybe once a week. I was super bloated. Like I said, I didn't have my periods, really severe acne, really bad fatigue in the afternoons, like just stuff that wasn't normal, bad brain fog. Um, yeah, so all these sort of extra things going on that kind of was symptoms, but there was no diagnosis for in a sense. And then it took me a couple of years. I finished sports science and then I was, you know, still quite unwell and was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Do I want to do physio? Do I want to do exercise physiology like OT? Came across the Masters of Nutrition course with uh, Deakin University. And that's when I went, need to leave WA, had a lot of stressful family stuff going on. Um, so I moved over to Sunny Coast and started studying online with Deakin, doing my Masters. Uh, while I was doing that, I obviously learned a lot about nutrition because I was a Masters of Nutrition. I also did my uh, TAE in training and assessing. So I was teaching those studying Cert 3 and 4 in fitness. So I was lecturing and I was teaching. Um, mm-hmm. I was working at a couple of gyms, teaching boxing oh, and different things. Yeah, so I was, I was flat out. Didn't know how much stress played a role in health at the time either. So I was doing a lot of stuff. I was working a lot. I was training a lot. I was studying a lot. Um, But yeah, had all these gut issues still, all these skin issues, had psoriasis developing, like just all this immune stuff. I was like, still don't know what's going on. Um, A lot of, yeah, the stomach pain was probably the worst thing because I was just, it was so debilitating. Then finally I yeah. The tummy pain, is that just when you're like all the time or just um, when you're menstruating? Yeah, so it's actually all the time. I would like go to sleep lying on my stomach just because I had so much pain there. I couldn't lay on my back. Um, I'd be just be really, really bloated during the day. Like I'd look pregnant and I was like, I'm small. I'm not a big person in a sense. Um, mm. So it was really obvious. And then sometimes I would get some relief and then I would eat something and then it'd be immediate flare up again. So now from a practitioner point of view, I can straight away, if someone presents to me with stomach pain, severe bloating or pain after drinking some water or waking up bloated, I know it's SIBO. Like I know it's a small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. I know it's parasites. I know it's yeast. But at the time, no one ever mentioned that stuff. Like no one was talking about gut health to me or I didn't know where to access it because, like I said, it was that medical approach, which is like birth control, laxatives, look at the immune system, Mm -hmm. what's going on there, rather than tying them together and going, actually, 
you're just not functioning well as a whole. Mm. Let's look at your adrenals. Let's look at, you know, how that's supported. Let's look at your microbiome. Let's have a look at the bacteria. Like it just wasn't an accessed approach. So then when I came across. You're still still going to the toilet once a week, were you? Yeah. Yeah. Just super, super constipated, super bloated and painful. And it's amazing, you know, how normal that is now. Like I'll say, you know, like I see women every day and then so many of them like, oh, maybe once every couple days. And I'm like, you know, that's not normal. Like one to three times a day is normal depending on how much fiber, how much food you're eating, like those kind of things. If you're, you know, like if I'm training a lot, then I'm eating a lot more carbs and then you're obviously going a lot more because there's so much fiber. But I'm like every three, four days, you know, and and we, I feel like even stuff like that is not normal. And the hormonal imbalance that occurs is a real issue as well. And we don't tie the two together and go, I've got all these estrogen dominant symptoms but I'm not going to the toilet. Like this, this there's a mismatch here. Like we're just yeah. not tackling those issues. Um, it's, it's also something that's just not really talked about either. It's not like you uh, just say to your mates, "How you going, buddy? You been going to the toilet?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. yeah, yeah. It is crazy. Like in one of my questionnaires, I ask, you know, how many times you go to the toilet and what's your your poop like. Yeah. Mm. Um, but that, like, and from that, when I did start going down that route, it's like, oh, people like, yeah, say like, you know, yeah, three to four days. I'm like, hey, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is, IBS, that, that is like, yeah, IBS is normal. Like every second person thinks they've got IBS or they'll mm. speak to their GP and their GP will like, oh, you've just got IBS. Like you're just going to have, and then they're like, okay, what's well, IBS? Oh, it's irritable bowel syndrome. Okay. Well, why why is your bowel irritable it it that is that is not normal like that should not be like that how are we treating that and it's like well you know if you're constipated take a laxative if you got loose stools well maybe there's something maybe you're lactose intolerant like that's usually about as far as the conversation gets and then people think it's a diagnosis like mm-hmm. like ibd irritable bowel disease well yeah that now that's a diagnosis because that's an actual disease an actual inflammatory disorder but a syndrome is a collection of symptoms it's an umbrella term saying that something's out of whack yeah they just don't know yeah anything that's a syndrome is just a thing of the medical well going oh well we don't know what it is it's a syndrome yeah 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 Yeah, exactly. And then until I came across functional diagnostic nutrition, so then I did an extra year study after my master's and was like, what is this? Like eye-opening, I started doing the testing, the stool testing, the urine testing, the hair, mineral analysis stuff, and I was like, ah, light bulb moment because I was just like, there's there's bacteria in my gut. I've got a couple parasites. There's the yeast overgrowth. There's SIBO. There's inflammation. There's leaky gut. There's like, there was so many things on that GI sample of mine that I was just blown away because I had no idea. And even though it was disheartening, it was clarifying because for the first time I was like, oh, this is why I'm feeling this way. And my hormonal stuff, like complete adrenal burnout, complete menopausal, and then cortisol through the roof, like mm-hmm. through the roof. I was so wired. Mm-hmm. And it was good to just kind of go, 
oh, that's what it is. Because if I'd run blood tests, which they had run blood tests, and they're kind of like, well, kind of looks okay. Like everything's a little bit low, but there was no answers to it. Whereas when you do something like a Dutch hormone test, all of a sudden you're looking at liver pathways. You're looking at what hormonal shifts it's going down. You're like, how's the body detoxing that? Why is all your energy going towards testosterone or estrogen rather than progesterone? So you just started getting this whole picture of the functioning rather than just something in isolation yeah that's it and is it true that because you've been living that way for so long that you don't even know that your adrenals are fatigued or that your cortisol's through the roof because it's just how you've felt every day for such a long time yeah yeah i think so i think the like the fatigue in women is a big one and they'll pass it off as other things like if they're just being tired for so long they're like well that's just how I am it's just because I've got kids or it's just because I'm working too much or it's just because of you know like there's always some other reason rather than being like okay well there's probably gut dysfunction so I'm producing a lot more cortisol to fight a lot more inflammation than I normally should my thyroid's probably cooked because I've been under eating in carbs because I'm worried about putting on weight and you know like there's these things where we go oh but then I've been restricting or then I've been over exercising and there's all these things that tie into it rather mm. than, you know, we just pass it off as, well, isn't everyone tired? Yeah. No, and then, I'm not tired. <laughs> and then and then just uh, pop in the stress, like with the cortisol of just everyday living, like then your bills and then the, the your boss at work and, you know, how do I look? How do I, you know, why don't I have this car, that house or whatever? All that stuff going yeah. in the background as well, eh? Yeah, we're constantly stimulated and wired. And like, I mean, I see it in men as well, but I see it to a greater degree in women because women are who I work with. But also on top of that, we've got this hormonal cycle. So men go through a 24-hour hormonal shift, you know, and we're going through this monthly cycle and there are peaks in that where, yeah, you will feel really good and you'll have more estrogen and those kind of things that we forget that, Estrogen is also a stress hormone. So if you are stressed, if you've got kids or finances or extra worries, and then we chuck exercise on that, and then we chuck, you know, poor dietary habits on top of that, and then too much caffeine, and then a couple of wine nights with the girls, and all of a sudden your body's like, dude, I can't handle all of this shoots estrogen up so then all of a sudden we're getting all these pms symptoms and tender breasts and bloating and heavy periods and pain around menstruation and all this stuff that actually isn't normal and actually shouldn't be that way but we kind of our lifestyles are shifting in that direction rather than you know being more calm and centered and focusing on progesterone and things that make us feel good yeah that's um something you said, uh, was there like a double estrogen thing you said before? Is that like something like uh, you, you see in females where they're just producing too much too much of it? And if they are, is it like what, what are the causes? Like is there like is there nutrition? Like are they eating too much of stuff or is it just, um, yeah. Yeah, so estrogen has like there's three types of estrogen, E1, E2, E3, and some are stronger than others um i could probably almost share screen this with you but basically there's two phases of the liver where where estrogen's got to well three actually but two through the liver where estrogen's got to try and get out of so if someone's in a stress state they're generally 
producing more cortisol and more DHEA. And DHEA is then converts into estrogen essentially. And then you've got to get that through phase one of the liver, which needs a heap of antioxidants um, and nutrients. And then phase two, which needs your magnesium, your taurine, your B vitamins. And then phase three is essentially where the microbiome package that estrogen up and you poop it out. You get three issues there where one, if you're drinking too much coffee or you're under too much stress or there's too much alcohol or some of those big things, it'll drive up that that phase one of the liver and it's not converting through to phase two or phase three. And then in phase two, if you are not absorbing your nutrients for starters, if you've got SIBO, which is essentially where the small intestine has too much bacteria in an environment that should be reasonably sterile, where you absorb a lot of your nutrients, so you're not absorbing those nutrients, well then in that phase two of the liver, You can't process that estrogen out. So therefore, it's just getting reabsorbed back into your colon and you're getting a second dose of estrogen again. So your body's like, we can't get rid of this stuff. And then on top of that, if you've got a poor microbiome, well, you can't poop it up and get it out. It's like you should be cycling this stuff out your body because you're producing it with your ovaries and your adrenals every month again. So you don't need a double dose of it. Mm. So this is where it comes back to the symptoms that we're experiencing and then having this kind of different mechanism for figuring out what's actually going on. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's, it's hard for women to understand what's going on sometimes because you do meet a lot of women who are doing the right things and, and men are the same, right? Like if they have gut issues or whatever, and they might actually be doing the right things. Like you might be exercising and you might, you know, be eating well and still going, well, I've got all these symptoms, but what, what eating well is for someone is different for someone else. So if someone's got high estrogen, yeah, you've got to look at fiber and you've got to look at you know those extra things caffeine and alcohol and sort of the, the obvious stuff but you can still have genetic predispositions that are not you know working well there but the biggest thing is is that nutrient deficiency i see is just a lack of bees and a lack of magnesium and a lack of minerals in the diet because usually i always explain to my clients it's like a pyramid right and the bottom is your gut health And I always see issues with the gut health. And if you can't absorb, digest any of those nutrients, you can eat, and I was at the time as well, you can eat a nutrient-dense diet, but you're not going to heal because you've got all this bacteria and stuff impacting that gut lining that's either fermenting and producing a heap of gas so you feel crap or, you know, you're just not getting it into your body. There's so much inflammation in there. Mm. So bringing this back to you and, you know, your experience, you were pretty healthy and you were into CrossFit and, you know, doing all these things. Like what was it for you that, you know, was it easy for you to pass off some of that fatigue as just from training? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. A hundred percent. I That's what I thought it was. I was like, oh, I'm just not recovering that well or whatever, like whatever it is, because I'm super competitive too. So, and that's why ultimately I had to stop CrossFit and I had to stop boxing because I used to do a lot of boxing as well. Because I was like, I just, I have no moderation. I'm like, I'm either in or I'm not like, or I'm out. Like there's no, there's no halfway. And I bought a road bike about a year ago. And then like within the first week, 
I was doing like, you know, 40, 50 Ks a day. And then I could not ride for like a month because everything was so sore and I did my tendons and I'd overused everything. And I was just like, seriously, Sheridan, don't you learn? You're like a typical CrossFitter sipping the Kool-Aid. Yeah, Yeah, I'm just like, at the time, I was like, this is great. I love it. It's all good. Um, But yeah, really, it, it came down to sort of, finding that balance and then stepping back from those real high intensity exercises and doing something that was more like just more strength training and slowing it down. Cause yeah, you understand your adrenals can only handle so much yeah. like, and then you just get cooked. And I see it all the time in women who are competing, like, or not even competing, just recreational athletes and just don't know when, like I had to take a year off exercise. And for me, that was really hard because I identified through how fit and healthy I was in a sense. And to stop all that was was really hard to step it all back. And I think sometimes we've just got to go, what is like, what is my body telling me? And that's when testing can come in because people sometimes need data. If they don't have that data to say yeah. your body is struggling, they kind of go, maybe I'm just tired. Like maybe I'm just being a bit of a soup, like maybe whatever it is. And we have that extra coffee or pre-workout or whatever and, and push through. But if you've got results saying my adrenals are completely bottomed out, then you're kind of like, well, that explains it. Like I, I need to listen to that and take that time back as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? It's just, uh, we just as kids, we don't get told unless you've got good parents or a good, um, mentor around you you don't get told to uh how to relax and and take care of your body and actually listen to it and 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 zone in on it and be like oh okay i'm i'm feeling tired so maybe i don't need to go do my two crossfits um a day <laughs> and then my boxing class maybe i just go for a walk on the beach or just go meditate or, or even like just gentle exercise like you know you can still go yeah. and work out and and get that um, endorphin hit but it's not flat out it's actually energizing you instead of um, expending the energy the best athletes are the ones who rest and recover properly as well right Mm -hmm. like you you see that now and like when you're further down the line you kind of go oh but you know the the women I'm seeing are waking up often at you know 4 35 a.m and going to that hit class or doing that f45 session and smashing themselves on an empty body with no fuel in their system and they're wondering why they're crashing later or they're coming home having a coffee trying to get the kids ready for school or get to work quickly and they're stimulated the wife then it's um, cortisol and then it's caffeine so then it's another blood sugar spike and we're like dude your blood sugar is just going up and down all day you start to come down you have a bit of food maybe another coffee and you're up and then you're crashing by the end of the day and I'm like well you've ran your whole morning on cortisol without an inch of flipping glucose in your body Mm. how do you expect to build muscle and how do you expect to fuel yourself properly if you're always working out in an empty stomach and just spiking yourself all the time like it gets into a really repetitive habit and we've got to pay this stuff back too like when we're living on cortisol (laughs) it's like you'd have to pay that back at some stage yeah 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 100 and the blood sugar thing is one of the like the simplest things in the sense of easiest to correct like eat protein carbs and fat at a meal eat regularly and you know if you've got insulin issues 
it's going to start to balance that stuff out. Like, you know, work out if you've got blood sugar issues, work out in the afternoon where you've actually got some fuel in your body. Like it's, or have a high protein, high carb meal right before you go to bed. So your liver's stored that glucose overnight. Mm. So you can have something, but have, you know, coconut water or juice or whatever throughout your workout to keep you going in a sense. But it's, it's the most ignored thing in women. And for some people, fasting works really well. And in men, yep. I tend to see it be- like work better. But for women who are stressed and who have adrenal dysfunction and hormonal issues, I'm just like, please don't. Like you're just putting an extra load on that body. And I know there's all the research behind fasting and stuff. And I've been there and I've done that. But sometimes you just need to go to basics and be like, eat breakfast within 30 minutes of waking and have a complete meal and have a mid-morning snack with your coffee so you're not just spiking that cortisol and that caffeine eat lunch mm-hmm. eat dinner like can we just not skip meals for a bit while you tell your body that you're actually safe and you're okay you're not in fight or flight mode and you're not running from a tiger you're okay like you can heal for a while yeah like it <laughs> It's probably like it comes back to like, you know, females wanting to get as lean as men, which is not healthy. Would you say like, you know, they're trying to. There's an element of that. Yeah, like this is me just you know, speaking out of term. And I know women are holding a little more more body weight on them than what men do. Um, yeah. So like, Most uh, women, if they, yeah, if yeah, they drop go. under that sort of. 16 to 18%, I tend to see them lose their periods. And I see that in a lot of women because a lot of my clients also come from a bikini um, bodybuilding background as well. So they obviously go into comps where they are super lean, but obviously that's for a period of time, but then coming back out of that as well, like they, they will lose their period over that time. But even your general recreational athlete, like when I had a lady the other day go, Oh, my body fat's up at 18%. I was like, 18% is not high. Like that's, that's a very norm. Like that's fine. I don't want you down at 12% because yeah, you won't, you won't have a menstrual cycle and you'll feel crap and you won't be eating a lot to maintain that or you You'll be burning so much that you're just, it's got to, you can't be in that deficit all the time. It's just so unhealthy. Go, go, sure, go into your build and eat extra and do that and then cut back, do your comp and then go back into it, fine. But don't sit in that space at all. Yeah, that's a bodybuilding, hey. It's it's one of those strange things. Like when you're in the, when you're in the industry, you know how unhealthy it is. But for the person that has no idea, sees these guys either on uh, fitness magazines or actually doing the competitions, and they're like, that, that is the pinnacle, that is it. But yeah. they don't realise how shit they feel, how horrible it is to be that low. Um, and they don't spend really any time at that range of leanness nah. either. Yeah, it might be a week, maybe, leading it's, life. And yeah, then- and... Yeah, and it's hard because we see so much stuff on social media and I have a lot of women come to me and go, I need to lose weight and I want to lose weight and all these kind of things. And I'm like, I get that because that's all around you and that's what you're seeing and that's what you're filling your day with. But to me, weight loss comes after your gut's happy, your adrenal's happy, and you've got healthy periods and healthy skin. Because if that whole metabolism and that thyroid and everything is all just screaming out for support, I'm like, 
you're not, your metabolism's not going to be healthy. You need to build up to having a healthy metabolism. And a lot of them, and this is just your, your general mum, and I'm generalizing here, but, you know, has kind of been trying to restrict and hold back her carbs because she's been told that's how she loses weight. And I'm like, that's actually not true. It's, it's about moderation. It's about how much protein, how much carbs, how much fat are you eating? But also your thyroid loves carbohydrates and it loves simple sugars and it needs that energy just as much as your adrenals do. And your ovaries need carbohydrates to ovulate. Believe me, I was at a high fat, high protein diet, no carbs for years. And I was tiny and my body didn't ovulate because I was like, man, don't have the energy. Couldn't have a baby right now because don't have the energy for it. And we've just got this warped perception based on mm. social media often. Yeah. It's scary. It's like, it's almost like uh, your body telling you, like when you're not having your period, like you're not in the optimal um, range to, to give life. Yeah, and then you're if, not and, and being female, like, don't say you have to have babies or anything and stuff like that, but like, you know, <laughs> that's it's one of the signs. It's one of the health. things of like, yeah, yeah, being a female that you're meant to be doing. And if you are healthy, you know, you will be ovulating and, and not skipping yeah. periods and stuff like that. So it's just like, also... like that indicator, isn't it? Like that internal indicator of, oh man, I'm I'm missing my period. Like this isn't right. Not Oh man, my abs. I'm, I don't. I can't see yeah. my abs now. I've got no veins down. Like you know, because that's that's yes. the place, doesn't it? Like yeah, yeah. There's a book called um, "Your Fifth Vital Sign" by Lisa Hendricks Jack. For any females listening, go get it. It's amazing. Um, but it does. It talks about that your period is our fifth vital sign. It mm. will tell you every single month what's going on with your body. If it's heavy, if it's late, if it's early, if there's mid-cycle spotting, there's something going on. But the issue is, is we become really... What's that book um, Your fifth vital sign. By? Lisa Hendricks-Jacks. I'll send it to you. You can yeah. link it in your show notes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah she's, she's amazing. Amazing podcast called Fertility Friday. Just huge really, really good um, doctor switched on lady. But I think we've really disassociated from our bodies as well. Like if I ask the general female sort of like, uh, are you ovulating? How long is your cycle? Do you get bloated around your cycle? Do your bowel movements change? Like a lot of people go, oh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like we just don't really track it so much or are not that in tune whereas like when you've had a lot of health issues like me like I track every single thing that happens with my body because I'm so I know how sensitive it is to stress and to running a small business and if I get stressed my cycle will change and my gut will change and it's good to know those things as well like it's actually send me a blessing like your body will tell you when you're doing too much and it will be like you know what your eczema or your psoriasis or your gut issues or your SIBO, all of that will start to come back mm. when you're in a stress state for, for too long. It's, it's you know, we're, we're not very intuitive anymore. No, we're not. <laughs> so lucky there's people like that. I know males, not the same. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yep. It's Did different for males, male though. not the same? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 like, it's not the same. It's, it's a little bit easier. Not gonna lie. <laughs> well, 
You know what? Like I actually had this conversation with someone the other day because they're like, do you work with men? And I said, actually, yes, I do. But I only work with them when they are either a referral from a female or a partner or a husband or a brother or family member, whatever of, of a female I know. Because to me, I need to know that they've got some level of accountability because I've worked with men before who just have no accountability and out the window. And women are the same. They don't. But I can relate to women better because I have the same shared you know, experiences in a sense. But for a male, it's, I think the gut thing is just as hard for females be, because you've got this whole social pressure as well. If you think you can't have gluten and there's no beers with the boys and you're a tradie on the job site or there's no just going out for this or grabbing, you know, a burger or whatever because you're like, oh, actually, I can't, got gut issues. And, yes, it's becoming more normal, but it's, it's, you know, it's not always healthy. It's not talked about the same as it is between females who whinge about their cycles that month, you know, like it's, it's a different health space. It's not really talked about it at all. I had um, a couple of years ago, oh, about four years ago, um, I spoke to my coach and told him, he asked me and I just, I just said, I don't think I've done a normal poo in my whole life that I can remember. And uh, he just looked me straight in the eye and said, do you want cancer? And I said, no. And uh, we pretty much <laughs> decided to strip everything back, get some stool samples and, um, and move forward. And it was like, it was the best thing that I ever did because I was constantly getting injured. I was getting overtired um, whilst I was lean and probably as lean as I am at the moment. But whilst, you know, I looked good and felt good and to what I knew, I didn't know I could feel any better and it just wasn't being talked about. So, um, yeah, going in and making those changes was a big six-month process. Get rid of beer, get rid of um, coffee, get rid of sugar. Let's just eat like as basic as we can and see if we can do a normal poo. <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah. The funny thing is like when you do that, what happens? Yeah, just like <laughs> a lot of things got a lot better. Yeah. And yeah. the funny yeah. thing was is like through speaking about it to some of the other boys in the gym, they could relate. They were like, man, you're only 33 or 31 or whatever and you've worked that out now. I'm 50 and I'm still not doing them. So, yeah, you yeah. Know, I think it's it's a valuable topic, whether it's men listening or women. You know, mm. we, I think we all well, need to hear it. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and and people don't realise how good it feels to do a good poo and just ah, be normal. Like amazing. when, yes. yeah, I've had guys say that before, When you get up like, and you're like, yeah, nailed it. exactly exactly and i had a guy say that to me the other day he's lactose intolerant or something and i was like just cut out dairy for a month and see how you feel and then he was like after like a week he was like this is game changing like i can't (laughs) believe how normal i feel like i just didn't know and i didn't connect the dots like it just because no one talks about it i don't know like i thought i was good at everything like i couldn't even (laughs) the basics but like you know having a poo has got a stigma around it like some people don't like other people pulling in the in their toilet out of their house and stuff like that Mm. but it's um the biggest indicator to how your health is traveling yeah, yeah. Oh, every female I know goes, so if I go on holidays with my boyfriend or whatever, like I don't poo because I don't want to poo around them and don't want to talk like, about it. And it's just like, yeah, 
yeah I'm like dude that's wrecking your gut like there was this guy the other day oh no it was this chick the other day it's like oh I've developed these gut issues since I started seeing this guy because I just I can't poo around him and I'm like I know I know we've got to break down these things around and just be like these things are normal they'd be like not being able to have your period around someone it's like dude like this is just going to happen it's called your body it's living my wife 10 years ago maybe 13 years ago when we first started dating um, she had this really sore stomach one night and I was just like, what the hell is going on? What's wrong with you? You farted lately? She was like, no, we ain't going to hold it in. Like, oh, God, just fart, would you? We celebrated it and never looked back. Yeah. But, like, but like, even with that, like I've had mates that um, are like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't let my girlfriend shit or poo in my house. Like, and I'm like, hey, yeah, like, yeah, no, nah, it's disgusting. And mm. you're just like, what? no way. Where did yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How is, how is this stuff normal? Although like in saying that used to it in the health space and are, are more educated than yeah. the layman kind of thing in these terms. And I think, you know, about my brothers well, and about periods and things well, like so that. It wasn't like. Oh, really? Oh, no yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just that, you know. <laughs> Females shouldn't poo. It's, like that, like, you know, and their and their yeah. poo should smell like roses and you know, yeah. that 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 is that's how the culture is though, isn't it? In society, uh, that is that is yeah. some like, of that exists for sure. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it seems abnormal to me because I don't know very many women who have great bowel movements because every female I'm seeing every day is struggling with either chronic diarrhea or severe constipation or severe bloating you know like there's always something going on it's 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 crazy and you know for them they've all had it for 10 plus years like there's no one who's i see who's just developed a couple weeks ago because no one looks into it within the first at least couple years and then they kind of go actually this is becoming an issue this is not normal anymore and i'm like this was never normal why are we putting up with this stuff it's like this uh, hope that, oh, yeah, maybe this will go away and you sort of push it aside and then a year later it's like, oh, it's still there and you push it aside and then it turns into something else. It's like, oh. Well, it's, it's yeah, it does. And the supplement industry, people just go, I'll just buy this probiotic, I'll just buy that probiotic, I'll just buy this gut powder, I'll just buy that thing. All of a sudden they spent five grand over a couple of years on all this crap that they don't need just because there's something going on. You know, like probiotics are fine, but you want to be specific with your strains. If you've got certain gut issues, there's certain probiotics you don't want to take, you know, like you don't want overgrowths of the good bacteria either. You want a balanced microbiome. And if you've got, you know, a candida overgrowth and yeast overgrowth, well, you can't, you can't just chuck probiotics on it and expect these things to go away. Like things need to be treated properly and need to be removed and needs to be repaired. And it's just like, it's this whole process in a sense that people don't understand yeah it is isn't it and um so when we get to food like it it sort of almost comes back to the the digestive system and the poop like if your poop's pretty sweet it means you're pretty healthy yeah you're digesting stuff properly Mm. yeah yeah um yep a lot of people have undigested food in their stools like like it's one of the common things is 
um, a lot of people say, oh, I've got undigested food in my stools or they're really greasy or, you know, like there's something you can usually identify with your bowel movements. But then educating people to actually look and be like, oh, that's abnormal is another thing as well because it's like, well, I don't want to look at that. But some people yeah. can see the worms and the the crap in there. Like it's mm. it's really like if someone does a colonoscopy or not a colonoscopy, a um, clonic where yeah. they like clean them out properly and they can see all the crap that comes out there like your poo holds everything in it when they take the stool sample they do they do actually culture and grow it in the lab and see like parasites just have dna fragments so they're quite easy to identify but like the bacterial strains i see there's some real chronic um uh ones that will cause further disease like ones that indicate towards colon cancer or towards um sort of mental health disorders or towards you know there's quite inflammatory diseases and stuff like that but they can grow them and they can see that and same with the yeast they'll grow it and they'll see it and then actually the lab i use actually treat it um with different antimicrobials like a little bit of berberine or um uh, caprylic acid or whatever and they treat it and then they see what's it sort of sensitive to so that when you're treating it you can be like cool you, these things are going to work these things aren't because it's again it comes back to a that root cause approach treat it properly and b not just throwing an antibiotic on something that's just going to kill all the good and all the bad and wipe yeah. your whole microbiome yeah well there's the problem just there isn't it like antibiotics <laughs> like how like <laughs> so many people like just go yeah just go get antibiotics and like with um even with the, uh, I've got two little kids. Um, and when uh, they take them in there, the first thing the doctor does is just like, if they got an earache, an earache or a, just something, they'll be like, yeah, here's some antibiotics. Just give them that. Yeah. Because that, that's such a young age. Like, mm. so yeah, it's like and- just getting destroyed then. And then no one knows how, like, you know, how to reline the, the stomach and stuff like that. And then usually the, again, eating poor quality food. So, you know, at that young age, they're not even getting that time to develop that good, healthy bacteria in their gut um, for later, later, yeah, to set them up. So they're already at a disadvantage. Yeah, but even even like even when you step one step back from that, I'm seeing these young women, right, who want to have kids and want to have babies and stuff, and they've got all these gut issues. And I'm like, don't you realise your microbiome is going to your child? Do you want to give them that? Like, is that, you know, and they're like, oh, but I really want a baby. And I'm like, I can appreciate that. I don't have children. I'm not in a relationship, but I can appreciate that. But at the same token, I'm like, also... Healthy kids, people, do you want them with eczema? Do you want them with ADHD? Do you want them with autoimmune issues? Like, please, let's heal our guts first. And Mm -hmm. then, yeah, give your child the best chance possible. And, yes, there will be conditions where they have to be on antibiotics or they might have cystic fibrosis or they might have stuff where they need it for sure. But then deal with that when you get to it. But try and create healthy children first and foremost and then yeah protect them as kids and give them that diverse range of foods and kid probiotics if they need it or do that stool testing because a lot of kids pick up parasites and stuff as well and and have a lot of gut issues like i know so many kids with gut issues as well it's crazy Mm. yeah it is like yeah like you said like if you look after yourself and nurture yourself then you're going to be able to look after um your kids or 
your newborn baby. So it always has to, it always has to start with yourself, isn't it? Get yourself healthy and pooping correctly yeah. before you start thinking about having a bubba. There's a lot of research yeah. out there too about obviously about how the microbiome of the mum will be taken on by the child and this sort of stuff. But do we get exposed to it? I wonder. Um, early enough like are we seeing it do we know about it no. as humans or nah. it, it just a, a few of us know it and have, yeah. have it in secrecy yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i i wouldn't have thought like i would never have thought about it i don't go hey mom i've got gut issues thanks like i blame you like i i wouldn't have done that i mean we were the healthiest kids growing up anyway but i mean sure some of my imprint and some of my predisposition to immune issues and all that kind of stuff yeah sure some of it would come from my mother but we come from a healthy family in a sense but if if the female is inherently unhealthy straight up then i kind of go well I feel like that's almost kind of obvious. Like you literally are growing this child and, and you've got a lot of gut issues and stuff. That is something you'll you'll pass on. But on top of that, how nutrient dense are you going into your pregnancy but then going into breastfeeding? Because a lot of the young mums I see that just sort of out of breastfeeding and they're exhausted, the postnatal depression, or they're exhausted and they're tired because of mineral deficiencies is a huge one. Like we're not remineralizing our water. We're drinking a lot of coffee, which means we're dumping a host of minerals as well. And our foods are nowhere near as mineral dense as they used to be and sure even if you're eating yeah a lot of good quality foods I doubt you're getting enough nutrients out of that so there's just little things where I go oh you we get so bogged in with like the hormonal stuff and the adrenals and the food and I'm like just keep it simple and go can you at least just get some minerals into your diet and some diversity and stuff because yeah we're seeing all these health issues around that yeah and then and then what what i see and I, what, what i've heard it takes three years to recover from giving birth yeah to to get all those minerals yeah, back bad. in and just recover and stuff like that but instead you're seeing people having babies like 18 months like a year and a half after so again a depleted mum then gives birth and then goes through all of that and then you know a year and a half later, depleted even more, has another baby. Um, yeah. Mm. And layer on top of that, they're back into training, back into being yes. a super mum. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. The work, the stress, the training, the life, single mums, all these things which I get and that's, you know, that's part of it. But it's also that pressure to want to be, you know, want to be and want to do it all as well, which, you know, on some hand that's that's great. I love that driving women and I'm all like, yes, women, we can do it all. Like, of course we can, but we actually don't have to. Like if, if you've given birth and you're being a new mom and stuff like that, that's enough to take on already. But it's like, you know, it's a common thing. I want to get back into training and I've got to lose this weight and I want to go back to work and I want to do all this stuff. And I'm like, yes, but also, First, just heal your body. It just did this amazing thing. Like, let's just take it slowly as well. Yeah, just because we can doesn't mean we have to. Mm. I think that's yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice for us all to hear, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, I know. It's the just same. Just because athlete, I can run a marathon anything, doesn't mean I have like... to go and do it. Just because anything. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah. But, like, yeah, being a mum is the hardest job. In the world, I reckon. Like, how's it going for you? Being a mum, yeah. <laughs> it goes pretty easy, actually. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, 
remember. Mm. <laughs> like, like, like it is because the kids, when they when they are injured or hurt or whatever or tired, they want mum. Like, I can be standing yeah. there, mum's in the shower, they're hungry, angry. Yeah. They don't come to me yeah. and I'm in the kitchen. They go straight yeah. to mum. Mum, I'm hungry. She's like, where's your yeah. dad? And they're like, in the kitchen. And she's like, what are, you, what are you doing? And they don't ask me, so I don't know to get them food, like whatever it is they want. But you'll find they like, you know, they go to mum because mum is mum. The, you know, nurturing, caring. Life giver. Yeah, it doesn't matter like yeah. how much you are as a dad to your kids. Like, you know, they, yeah. like the woman who is like, you know, amazing as we as we were talking yeah. about how complicated and complex yeah i went like having a little daughter i noticed it the other day because um <laughs> jess was getting a little you know uh, our jess my wife was getting um a bit annoyed with luna and i'm like oh but you know that's just how <laughs> might step on a few tight female like she's complicated <laughs> isn't it and like yeah. i'm like you've got a body that gives life <laughs> Like you create yeah. these little humans in your body. I'm like, all we got to do is dump the seed, and that's it. We're done. Like we're, we're done. End yeah. of it, you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a woman is, yeah. I reckon you guys are miracles. They're like, everything that you are. Yeah, like to be able to create human life, which is the most complicated, crazy thing, and it grows inside of you. Is like, and I don't think women, I don't even think women take that on board enough because, yeah, when you come, when they come back from having kids and maybe they've had three or four kids and they're out of that childbearing years and they're like, I'm just tired all the time. And I'm like, yeah, you've got to rebuild your body back up to what it was. Like don't compare yourself to someone like me who's hasn't had any kids and hasn't had gone through those stages. Like you've got to re-nurture, rebuild, re, you know, let your adrenals know we're okay now and your thyroid. And like I said, those minerals and those nutrients and sleep properly again. Like sleep is the biggest form of recovery and you haven't slept properly in probably like five years. Mm. So just step yourself back through the basics rather than sometimes we just jump the gun and we're like, what is wrong with me? And it's like, dude, you're not sleeping. Like that's enough in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So what about like you mentioned earlier about testing and how you like keep track of a whole bunch of markers. Are these markers things like sleep and looking at your stools and you know, making sure your meals are okay and looking at your skin or are they more like testing markers, checking in with your stools, a certain regularity or... Can I, can I, I'm going to butt in here. Can you give us two answers? Can you give us an answer where you just are checking yourself, like just checking Mm -hmm. in and then an answer like a medical answer with the testing? Yeah. So there's, I'm going to break that up in a bit. So there's, what I tend to get people to do straight up in a sense, if, you know, someone just reaches out on Instagram and goes, don't know what's going on. My body's all over the place. And I'm kind of like, well, go listen to the podcast episodes on stool and hormone testing. So A, you have an idea sort of what, what I do in a sense, but also start tracking stuff. So download the Monash University app, which looks at, and I'll send these to you guys if you're on LinkedIn as well. It's an yeah. app by Monash University, obviously, that's what's called. Um, and it looks at FODMAPs in the diet. So, you know, remembering that my 
ideal lady who's come to me has gut issues and I'm going, okay, start tracking your stools on there. Start tracking, um, looking if you're eating a lot of high FODMAP foods, which can be very fermentable and upset your gut. If you've got a bit of dysbiosis, overgrowth of the bad, undergrowth of the good, start looking, see if these foods are triggers because for the short term, I want to get you out of feeling so triggered. Like let's just get you living a bit better probably first. So are there trigger foods? How are your bowel movements? Track them. It's very easy through the app. Do that, track that for a couple of weeks, just sort of see what's going on. And the other part of that is track your period. So download something like the Kindara app, which I really like, and just start tracking your cervical mucus. Is it changing over the month? Track your skin, track your breast tenderness, track your heaviness, track the length of your cycle, track, you know, just start tracking that stuff. So then come to come, then come back to me in five or six weeks or seven weeks and go, oh, I've just realized I only get constipated when I'm ovulating cool it's probably an estrogen issue you can just go do these one or two simple things whatever or it's like wow i'm i'm all over the place i've no idea some days it's constipation some days it's loose stool some days it's bloated who has any idea i've tried to track it and it's so irregular so it's first going what's going on with my body and just start to get a idea of you and that's easy and free and anyone can go do that in a sense like just start to learn about because the biggest barrier to health I've found is finances normally people go I want to do something but I'm not willing to put the money right now I don't have the funds right now but I want to start making some changes well that's that's the changes I want to see I want to see you tracking so that you know it's exactly the same with macros if you're telling me I've tried everything and I cannot lose weight I'm like go download chronometer for two weeks or four weeks and flip and track what you're eating and then come back to me because it's classic that it's like too much fat not enough carbs really low protein and I'm like well yeah you think you're eating healthy and I really respect that in you but there's still an element of science to it at the end of the day so I I want to know I want data so there's a couple different tools there you can think about gut issues Monash University apps a really good starting place if it's gut and more hormonal stuff definitely every woman should be tracking their period anyway regardless I don't care Um, and then macros as well if it's you know primarily gut's pretty fine but I just I can't shift this weight well just go have a look at what you're eating first and then start to balance your blood sugars balance your meals look at your pre and post workout nutrition and start to you know play with that stuff so that's kind of the homework I give people I'm like either as clients or not as clients Mm. we need data because I just don't trust people anymore I'm like your version of healthy is different to my version of healthy and you just you, oh, yeah. you know, people. There's people a different level. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 and it's everyone just, is can, walking around telling us that but they're healthy. They're healthy. They eat healthy. <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I work out. And I eat healthy. I'm getting results. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. We don't need to look at the diet. We don't need to look at your training. We don't need yeah. to look at how you take care of yourself. What should we look at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And just that that awareness, like someone's like, oh, I've got loose stools and I'm like, well, when and how much? And they're like, oh, 
don't really know. Like I haven't really, I just doesn't feel right. And I'm like, well, can you just track it? And then we know. Um, so yeah, that aspect. And then when I do the testing, well, then it's obviously a lot more complicated. So on someone's GI sample or gastrointestinal report, then I'm looking at leaky gut markers, inflammation, immune, how triggered or under um, responsive the immune is the good bacteria, so like your bacteroides, your lactobacillus, your firmicutes. So what's going on with these different bacterial families because I want a range of them in the gut. And then same with your inflammatory, your dysbiotic bacteria, your different types of yeast, and then all your protozoa, so all your parasites and different bugs that can possibly be living, shouldn't be living, but are living in your gut. So there's there's quite a range of markers there um, for the the gut ones, otherwise a SIBO, like a small intestinal test is basically a positive or negative on, on a chart in a sense. You've either sort of got a SIBO overgrowth or you don't. It's just a matter of, of how much and that's quite a cheap test because it's quite straightforward whereas your GI samples are more expensive because they're so comprehensive and that's similar to the Dutch test, which is the comprehensive dried urine test for comprehensive hormones that um, I use in females. And that tracks your whole cortisol pattern, your DHEA, your testosterone, estrogen. I mean, it's male and females, but I do it for females. Um, And then your liver pathways, how you metabolize in those livers. And then your important markers like your B6 and your B12, because they are essential for phase two liver functioning. And then also things like, melatonin and then your neurotransmitters because I see a lot of people with low neurotransmitters like um, serotonin or dopamine are being blocked because they are produced by good gut bugs and if you don't have the good gut bugs you're not going to produce those neurotransmitters and then often I see you know sort of more anxiety depressive type women so you're pairing this this gut issue with low, say, dopamine on top of someone who's stressed and has got low progesterone, well, that's one unhappy-ass female, you know, like, and she's going, I don't know why I'm so moody and I'm so horrible to be around, and I'm like, this is why. Yeah. Let's just say for, like, the um, the everyday person, maybe they haven't even acknowledge that they're not feeling as good as they could they're probably going to go to the doctor like one or two times a year get some sort of checkup have some sort of conversation like would you recommend that this dutch test is something that we should all have on a yearly basis or something like that or is it more just like you know if things aren't going so well check into it what's your feeling Mm. around it Yeah, one of the biggest issues I have is with our medical system is the accessibility and the affordability of these functional tests, right? Like you can run a host of blood tests. And like I said before, but because you're only looking at blood markers, so just what's essentially racing around in your body at that particular time, not the way you're processing it or producing it, especially something like adrenal fatigue, where I want to know what's your actual output of cortisol not what's just in your blood so it would be amazing if we could access the dutch through your gp and you could go do it but it's got to be done through either a qualified naturopath or a qualified nutritionist like myself who actually runs these functional testings but it would be you know like something like that once you have a general overview it's really good because you know when to tweak stuff when stuff's wrong because you know sort of what your body tends towards but if you could do that even if it was once every couple of years and same with gut testing, if people could do that every couple of years, it would be game changing. How much is a Dutch test? 
Dutch is 380, yeah, 385 wholesale. So depends who you go through because I work online with my clients as part of my six-month program of getting to the root cause. I do a wholesale for them. There's other providers who you might pop a cost on top of it because of the way they work, whatever. $385. Yeah. 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 So like in the, in the scheme of things, like this is where like, you know, someone will go out on the weekend and blow four or five grand on yeah. going shopping, yeah, going know. out, partying, eating. What about, and then when you, what when about you, just the pack-a-day smokers? Or a pack. Yeah. 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 Um, so in, and, it's, you know, and when you're up in the hospital and you get in surgery, that's uh, that's in the thousands. So this, you know, this yeah. 385, even you're saying it's expensive. Like when you look at it, like what's the cost of your health? like exactly you know um it's not that much oh when i it's it's just the most frustrating conversation because i see people spending five ten fifteen grand on a holiday or something right and i'm like i get that but that's maybe uh you know a couple weeks a couple months entertainment this is your health and this is for the rest of your life and you've had this for 10 years Mm -hmm. and i can see the route you're going down and i can see how much it impacts you day to day and you're kind of like hmm don't really know if I want to invest that and invest the time and invest understanding what's going on. And I'm like, I, I, I get that if you're a uni student or you're really struggling or those kind of things, like I totally get that. But in the, in the big picture of things, it's also like, well, this is, this is the rest of my life and still samples are the same. If you don't treat some of these bacteria or treat some of these parasites and things, stuff just gets worse. Like these things grow. Mm. that's legit what they do they take your food they take your iron supplements they will take it and they will grow because they just adapt to survive yeast is the same you remove one food source it'll learn to live off ketones and fats like that they're a living microorganism that's yeah that's it well that's what we are really aren't we we're just living microorganisms and they're uh, like you're a great ones. host Hey. Yeah. Yeah. We're a great host. We're a great yeah, host. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. give it food. Like they're yeah. like we'll awesome. Just keep family. eating me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but like um, like you said at the start, like just your normal you like um understanding yourself and you know, sleeping well, drinking good water, getting enough sleep, not overdoing it, not partying too hard, you know doing all these things and starting to bring your consciousness to what you're actually putting in your body and how it reacts and, and stuff like that. Like you are going to start getting a better digestive system and, uh, you know, and healthy periods and stuff like that. And then, yeah, yeah just those basic things, isn't it? That, you know, just eating whole food. It doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. Like it, it, it doesn't. If you've had a 10-year health history like someone like me, then, yeah, you've got to go deeper. But if you're just starting out, just track, just understand your body and feed it good food and, you know, take that downtime and take that rest and remember that you need an up and a down. Like you just need to balance those things out. You can't be up all the time. I think sometimes the challenge for a lot of people in our world today is that they're so far from healthy. Like, you know, there's so many factors that are impacting poor health that, Mm. Like, where do I even begin? Like, drinking three or four yeah. nights a week, eating crap every day. 
Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, isn't it just easier to just get a pill? Get a pill and just forget about it. It's so much easier. Hey. Keep taking the pill. You got painful periods, just jump on the pill. You got acne, just jump on the pill, and these things magically disappear until you come off to it. Or you head into menopause and you haven't produced progesterone for 30 plus years, and your body's like, what the hell now? Because this was our feel-good hormone that gave us strong bones and a healthy sex drive and good skin and lush hair. And the amount of women who lose their libido when they're on the pill or have this mood disorders or depressive stuff that I see is just crazy. They come off it and it's like, I actually feel like having sex. I actually feel good. I actually feel happy. Like I didn't know I could feel like this. And I'm like, um, I know, I know, I've been telling you, but no one's listening. Come yeah. there, come there. <laughs> uh, but um, with, with, with that in mind, obviously um, coming off the pill, there's another thing that comes with it is falling pregnant. Not everyone wants to fall yeah. pregnant. There's the acne. There's a, yeah, but the acne is coming from a poor diet, poor like, you know, mm. it's just another, it's another tool to go, oh, okay, something's going on in the inside yes so Um, but yeah like so a woman's coming off she doesn't want to fall pregnant like how does she and a male can know know this as well like you know yeah a partner and both don't want kids or whatever and you don't want to use condoms and you don't want to go down that track is there a way yeah of yeah yeah yeah, so there is. I mean, obviously, there's a couple of different contraceptive options to start with. Uh, something like the Marina is, um, or like the Copper Marina IUD, um, you can still ovulate on. So at least you can, not everyone does, but you can still. So you're still producing progesterone. You're just not having a monthly bleed. But obviously, the preference is to not be on anything that's putting fake hormones into your body but then you have to you have to track and you have to go and do something like um, the fertility awareness method just google it and there's plenty of courses on it and you have to go okay what is my body doing? You might need to go through two or three months as you get your cycles back and be like, okay, we, we've just got to use condoms for that time period because I'm still figuring out what my cycle is doing. Once you know your cycle, if you track it on an app like Kindara, like I use, and you measure basal body temperature and you watch when you ovulate, you can only fall pregnant on a couple of days of your whole cycle. So sure, two, three days, four days of the month, don't have sex or wear a condom or be okay with the withdrawal method with the slight chance that you're going to fall pregnant. Like there's, there's that side of things, but for the rest of it, you're going to be fine. So it's, um, it comes back to knowing your body when you're ovulating and understanding it and tracking stuff, track your body temp. It will spike after ovulation. There'll be a direct spike in your body temp. You'll notice it with your cervical mucus changes. You'll notice it with your mood. You'll notice it with your energy, all those things. You will notice it around ovulation. Um, so it's, it's, it comes back to that tracking and that knowing and being like, okay, I'm on a 28 or a 30 day cycle or whatever. I ovulate in the middle of my cycle. I'm sort of tracking it. I know. And, and you can either, you know, do whatever you've got to do in those couple of days to, to not fall pregnant or to reduce your chances. But for the rest of the part, your majority of the time you're fine. So it's just understanding those things, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And like you said, it's just getting to know your body which for some yeah. unknown reason we don't want to do. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's easy to take that pill. It's easy to yeah. 
have a stomach yeah. ache and feel shit and yeah. get depressed and all that. Yeah. For you, yeah. for you, Sheridan, like, what was this experience like? I mean, you've been just all over the shop searching for answers. <laughs> Obviously, now you get to laugh about a few things. And yes, but um, it's been pretty torturous at times, I think. And you know, yeah. you have other women that are having this experience probably right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's so many women. Like I, I talk to women daily who go through what I've been through or hear my story and go, I resonate and I'm in a world of pain or I do workshops and they come up to me in tears after going, I just didn't know there was answers for the stuff I'm experiencing. And it was so hard and it was so painful and I didn't socialise much for a very long time. I didn't go overseas. I stopped travelling. I just buried myself in study and work and things because I like every night I was in pain like I just I would not want to go out I would not want to socialize I didn't trust other people cooking for me I you know I used I did a lot of travel I went to Vietnam went to New Zealand went to Bali did all that stuff early on traveled backpacked Europe by myself I'd done all this stuff and then I couldn't do any of the things I loved anymore and it was just like just the fatigue and I'm such an A-type personality like I want to do all the things and I want to do them well and all that stuff and like at the time my dad just kept saying to me he was like Sheridan this is this is teaching you something and I know it's a really hard space to be in right now but one day you will help people you will help women who are going through what you're going through you're gonna find answers and it took like yeah the money and the time and the experiences and the stuff it, it was it was a long journey like mm, it's it's mm. just crazy um, but yeah, I get to help women every day now and I see them change and I see them shift and the stories I have from them and the, the client changes and the knowing that I'm helping is such a big thing. And it's, I mean, it's hard working in the health space is hard because I'm so sensitive and empathetic to people that I just, I hear their stories and I get it from my DMs and my Facebook messages and my emails and you just, you take it on and you want to fix them. Like I want to heal them. Like, yes, I want them to know there's answers, but I want them to be better now. But I also know how long it took me. And even once I'd done the testing, it was still another couple of years yeah. till I got to a point. And even now, like I have a sensitive gut and I know that because I had 10 years of all this bacterial shit in it. Like I don't mm -hmm. expect that to be better in a couple of years even. I know this is, this is just a long process and these things take time and it's just healing and it's knowing that how sensitive I am to stress I get that now I have a busy month of work and I will lose my period I'll get it back the next month when I calm things down and go Sheridan stop doing so much and running and riding and working so much you can't have it all but it's it's yeah it's just come to really appreciate my body and know what it can handle and what it can't yeah thank you <laughs> yeah but like you said that's what it comes to isn't it just knowing your body like that's yeah. that's the thing you're like oh man i've missed my period okay what yeah. in my life was i doing that caused that yeah yeah but, and just uh, yeah you put in the synthetic hormone for so long with the pill i suppose mm. you you lose touch with it hmm. 
yeah, it just, yeah, it just doesn't happen or whatever. It's just like it's not, yeah, not a thing. And same with when we rely on different supplements or things to give you bowel movements or whatever it is or laxatives. A lot of people come dependent on laxatives and stuff and it's like, well, yeah, okay, that that works for now. But A, there's more natural approaches and B, like long-term, is that what you want to be doing? Mm-hmm. We get a lot of that with people that want to just keep training and they'll just take a urofen or whatever. It's like, oh, my elbow's been sore. I've been taking urofen yes. for yeah, a yeah. week. It's all sweet. Don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which then again on your gut. Is so, not, I've been not taking it for a month. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, so what is your message for women that you really want to get out to the public? Yeah, I guess my biggest thing is one is test, don't guess. Please understand what's going on with your body and run the testing because I think that's really important. A lot of us just guess as to what's going on like when it comes to gut stuff um, and just throw, like I've said before, a host of supplements at it hoping something will stick and fix it. So test, don't guess, and also question everything. I you know, like I wish I'd known what I knew now when I was going through it, like you're actually, you're not alone. I know it feels like you're alone, but you're not. But just question, if your GP says you've got IBS or says you've got PCOS or endometriosis or whatever gut issue it is, question that and look in deeper into it like instagram i know it's a beast but it's also got so much information out there of so many other people going through stuff that you just search ibs and you'll be flooded with good information out there as well like it's just question your symptoms and question your diagnosis because nothing nothing is set in stone you even your autoimmune conditions and stuff endometriosis any of those there are underlying reasons to why you've got an autoimmune condition and no you can't get rid of it but you can control your symptoms to such an extent degree that you're not experiencing the same pain or the eczema flare-ups or the arthritis or whatever it is you're struggling with check your gut and support your immune system so what happens if like what what would you see as being the ideal relationship with doctors and like how would you like to be more supported by the healthcare industry yeah so I've always said doctors do play a really important role in keeping us alive like if I you know I'm going to Bali in a few weeks and I'm like yep jab me up with typhoid or whatever it is like I want some of those vaccines because I don't want to get super sick and if I get really really sick I want to know there's a medical system that is going to help me um so I think they play an important role in in keeping us alive I don't think they play a good role in helping us function optimally and I think there should be an understanding around that and also an understanding as a as a patient that you're seeing a GP who has 10 minutes, maybe 20, if you've got an extended appointment, 10 to 20 minutes with you, that is not a long period of time at all. Like I want minimum 40 with you 
over six months and you're still messaging me every day with questions. Like you don't have that repertoire with your GP and they don't generally have that same time for you unless you're paying for a functional GP who's then, you know, three, $400. Yes, they are worth it. But then you've got them for an hour and you're building that relationship. Please don't expect to get answers out of someone. If you came to me for 10 minutes, there's no way I would be able to diagnose you with anything. I would just literally go tell you to track because I can't give you any advice in 10 minutes. So it's that sort of understanding as well, but also educating doctors on people who are really passionate about stuff. Like I'm really passionate about hormones and endometriosis and gut issues. If you had a client who you're like, I think you've got IBS, maybe try the low FODMAP diet or laxatives, but also go listen to these podcasts or Mm. see this lady or, you know, something, you know, like I, I, go pass them off to someone like if my gp had said that to me and it said oh you know like i think you've got ibs but there might be parasites go see this person that would have changed me at 18 i wouldn't have struggled till i was like 25 26 going don't know what's going on with my body like it just if we can build up those relationships because there's people who are better at stuff you know like a gp is way better at prescription medication than me i don't want that but it's yeah. it's just understanding i think yeah it's um it's almost like these like gps or doctors are like put on this pedestal um mm. just got it now whereas you know people like ourselves who have gone and, and started just for as long and done all this stuff but we're not a, a gp doctor so we sort of get looked at, down upon and mm-hmm. you know some of the advice that you know the stuff that we you know study that and the contact how we have with people like everyday people we're dealing with them just like gps but we're actually spending more time with mm-hmm. them and actually figuring out how to to fix people it's almost mm-hmm. like the Medicare system or something has to start recognizing that people like like ourselves like are very knowledgeable and and can help and subsidize. But obviously, the stuff that we do actually helps people. The other Western stuff puts a bandaid on it, and and like you said, like if you're gonna die, yeah. they can help you, and it, it is perfect. But yeah. with what we do, is it's it's actually giving the power back to the client. And, and getting them to read their body and understand their body and, and know what to do. Mm. So it's like this, these two, like would actually make people healthy um, and they wouldn't need us anymore. So they're not making money. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? Pharmaceutical industry. Oh. Not even going to get into it because it's just a money-making scheme. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think both can work together well. I think GPs and I think holistic people like these guys and me and, you know, those in the fitness industry and the health industry and your naturopaths, I think there can be a really great relationship. But I also think it means that doctors, and I'm generalising here because there are good doctors out there, but we need to get past that Band-Aid approach and past the prescription because the amount of money, and this lady in the fifth vital sign in that book goes into it, but the amount of money made off the birth control pill is insane, insane. And it's just, it's sickening thinking, 
what we could be doing in educating and awareing, you know, females from when they start menstruating at 13, 14, 15, whatever age it is, younger, older, that, you know, there's there's other ways to do this. You don't need to go on the pill straight away, even if you want to be protective, you know, around sex and falling pregnant. And why are we so worried about pregnancy as opposed to STDs and stuff anymore? Like, and, you know, like there's more fear of falling pregnant than you know getting a sexually transmitted disease like there's there's just so many other things we also need to be educated on i think yeah so pharmaceuticals industry yes no supplement industry is the same though not gonna lie the probiotics and the the all the those gut healing powders and they're all the same they just want to band-aid fix unless you're seeing someone and you've got a practitioner grade stuff or you've got good quality supplements that are working for you awesome love them use them couldn't do what i do without them but the marketing behind some of the stuff is just it's just money yeah Yeah. it's like anything isn't it there's good there's good personal trainers there's not so good personal trainers dietitians doctors and all that kind of stuff but you've just got to you know start yeah filter like just don't yeah like trust like if someone says something and it resonates with you go oh yeah sweet and maybe give it a little bit of a go and if you're like yeah this is amazing sweet stick at it if yeah. you go this doesn't work for me this i don't know what here they were on and something's not right. <laughs> stop, yeah. do it like you know yeah yeah hundred yeah, percent is there um is there anything else that i don't know that you want to share from your story and your journey your challenges or stuff you've come up against that yeah you think would be interesting I feel like we've covered a lot of it. <laughs> um, I feel like that's the the biggest, yeah, the biggest gist, the biggest thing people test, don't guess, and just educate and empower, question everything. And, yeah, I think that's just the really important message here is for people to for, do that. Your health is for life. It's You only got one body. Look after it. Um, go have a proper poo and feel good. I've had, I've had a question just <laughs> pop up in my head. If you were a, um, this is for mums and dads that can, you know, listen and, or if it's the, a 12 year old, 13, whenever you, you know, around, you're just about to become a woman. Probably starts a little bit earlier now. I know some girls probably get a mm. at nine or whatever. Um, yeah. What What would your message be there? Like, you know, you're just about to become. Well, you're becoming a woman. Like, what do you? What do you? How are you going to present? Like, what's the message you want to give that little girl? Go buy the book called <laughs> The Period Repair Manual. That would be if I could get one book into every school it would be i mean the fifth vital sign is amazing but that's more around fertility awareness and tracking and stuff the period repair manual is a awesome book a resource i would use you know nearly every day in clinic in a sense it goes through um periods the difference around them hormones what to do if you know it's a little bit heavier it's a little bit light all your different birth control options all the different things that are out there because i just it worries me that 
there's young girls who start getting their periods and are missing school or are chronically sick or things from their periods. And I see that and they're really heavy or they're painful or they're worried about falling pregnant or not knowing what their options are and not understanding their bodies. And not everyone has you know, a female figure that you can go talk to about these things. And you don't really talk to about your friends when you're young because it's it's early days. And I mean, I'm super blessed. I know that I'm, my mum is my best friend and I love her to death. And there is not one thing in the world I cannot tell her ever. Like, but I I know that is not the norm at all. You know, like she's like I love my your mum too. In a sense. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, you do. You'll you'll see it. You'll be like, wow, you two are so similar, and we we are very similar. Um even the voice, I feel I feel like I'm talking to your mum. Yeah. <laughs> and um everyone says that, but like are you sisters? <laughs> <laughs> And I know, like you say, um, you know, feel like no one has a good female um, to go to and stuff like that. A single dad, obviously, is going to, you know, or, yeah, let's just go with a single dad. Or just knowing your girlfriend or your wife yeah. and stuff like that. Like reading that book, is that going to give me as a male a good understanding of, okay, how to navigate myself around um, either my daughter or my partner having their period and, and, and being able to help oh. them if they can't see it. Yeah, if I could, yeah, make a male read it. But it's like it's that thing where it's, it's like it's a resource and you're like, Flip, like why is she so moody every month what is going on or so tired or what like what is it and the more you know men educate themselves in a sense as well and not you know across the board not a lot of men know about ovulations or much about periods or anything and like I have no filter my life is all over the internet and my podcast whatever and I unashamedly on my Instagram share stuff on my personal one and you know my work one it's obvious but even on my personal one because I'm like I've got male friends who should know about this stuff Mm. and they don't in a sense you know but I I think you know for as a resource for men as well the period repair manual a book or just understanding the basics and you know being able to help out your partners or your kids or whatever it is as well is is important and like for men understanding you know hormonal shifts and stuff and even some of the adrenal things on there are, are important too yeah so men need to step it up as well. Yes, they do. <laughs> Females do with their own bodies and men need to. Do you find that there's like a, anything comes up when you're coaching these females and helping them through these challenges? Do you find that relationship stuff comes up, like financial pressure from men or not supporting, not understanding? Yeah. Yeah, um, diet is a big one, actually. Like if if a female has, like, let's just call it IBS for the sake of simplicity. If she's got IBS and changing gut symptoms and she's like, oh, you know, but I don't want to have to always cook a separate meal for myself and my partner wants to eat these certain things or the kids have to eat this and I don't want to eat that. So there's that whole side of things of being like, 
I can't be bothered changing everyone. So either I've just got to cook my own steamed veggies and a bit of meat while I make them this big pasta dish or something in a sense. There's there's that side of things um, which are tricky rather than going, you know what, the whole family's just going to eat healthy because that's how things are rolling around here and I'm the cook and you will eat what I eat or you can, you can cook yourself. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, there's the there's not that same attitude. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's that it's also the understanding. Like, not everyone has that same openness with their health. Like, I'm very open about my health because of my experiences. But there's a lot of women, like we're talking about the whole poo thing earlier, who won't disclose that information and also go like, I'm struggling or my gut hurts or we need to change something about you know the alcohol or the coffee or the grains at night, like the gluten's hurting my stomach or whatever it is. There's also, I guess, building that trust and that relationship is is something. And then, yeah, those those pressures because of the stress stuff as well. Like there's a lot of women who are like, oh, I've been through a hard um, breakup or this or that. And that extra stress load can just trigger gut issues and hormone stuff too. Yeah. Mm. Stress. The big one, yeah. Stress. We're complex like, things, yeah. aren't we? Humans, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfect. You happy? I'm happy. I'm happy too. I think we got a lot of cool. A lot of nuggets of gold there. Yeah, a lot of nuggets. <laughs> that's a, that's a very appropriate. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So thank you so much for um, giving us your wisdom. Um, I think a lot of people that are going to listen to this will get a lot out of it. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank grateful. you so much. Yeah, really appreciate your, you. your time and the challenge that you've been through and, you know, being able to go through that process, but not only step into the work you do and, and share about it like this. I think it's, um, yeah, it's a great gift. So thank you for hanging out with us. And um, my pleasure. So if, uh, if there's a female that's listened to this um, and they live anywhere in the world, can they see you or are you just Australia based? Yeah, so I am worldwide. It just depends where my labs are. So usually America's um, the easiest, but I've got a few clients who are in Australia and now in other parts of the world, um, but have done their lab testing in Australia. So it just depends as to where they are. Um, but okay. a... Do you do much in the UK? Um, I don't think I've got one client over there. I can't remember how she went with her lab testing. It just depends yeah yeah, yeah where they are so yeah. sometimes there's good labs and sometimes there's not um but definitely the easiest way is just to send me a dm on instagram because i'm live on my instagram and i love sending voice messages so I always tell people find me sheridan underscore functional nutrition and just send me questions because i yeah i'm pretty open there otherwise listen to my podcast empowered hormones with Sheridan Decker and there's always there's like nearly any question you'll have is probably answered on the podcast at some point as well awesome fantastic thank you so much and uh we'll look forward to having those uh links in the uh in the notes yes. and uh, and having you on again sometime yeah that'd be beautiful thank you thank you thank you so much Stop that.